This podcast is brought to you by DC Music Publishing. Find out more at dcmusicpublishing.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Music Business podcast. My name is Danny Champion. I run a small music publishing business called DC Music Publishing. I'm also a music business consultant surrounding music publishing, licensing and sync, a music supervisor um, and music educator. Um, this is my music business podcast that I've been doing since 2018, where I talk to a whole range of industry professionals about their journey in the music business, about what they do in the music business, about why they do it, about how they've got to where they are, and a whole range of things in between. This week's conversation is with music industry lawyer Dean Marsh. Um, I first knew of Dean many, many years ago in my very, very, very first music industry job um, up in Cambridge. But subsequently, he works with a number of people that I have more regular dealings with um, when it comes to publishing companies or labels or, or sync agents and everything like that. Um, it was a really interesting conversation about all things music law. Uh, we talked about music. We talked about contracts. We talked about kind of the business going into kind of business 3.0 or you know via web 3.0. Uh, we talked about his career not focusing solely on music so looking at kind of the digital media industries and influencers and fashion uh, we talked about his time as a litigator and what that means um, we talked about uh, the fact that all bands need to be operating as businesses we talked about his early adoption and championing of kind of DIY releasing independent releasing of artists even before the current label services stuff so really interesting guy really interesting conversation knows loads and loads and loads and i hope you enjoy the conversation or listening to the conversation as much as i did having it so here is my conversation with dean marsh How how are you? How are things your end? Ignoring ignoring the COVID stuff. How has twenty twenty two started? How did twenty twenty one end for you and your business? Uh, yeah, I mean, most lawyers that I speak to, uh, myself included, uh, are, are unbelievably busy at the moment. I think the whole pandemic has has been very disruptive obviously and caused threats and it's been very challenging particularly to artists in the live sector but mm. it has raised lots of issues and consequently there have been lots more opportunities and a lot more work emanating from the pandemic you know, initially there was all the kind of issues about force majeure 
I represent quite a big festival. So there was lots and lots of uh, agents and promoters querying right. uh, agreements and stuff. And so, yeah, so that was that was very uh, interesting to deal with that aspect mm. and quite time consuming. Uh, and it also brought lots of new areas that hadn't previously been part of uh, lawyers domain you know live was typically an area that the music lawyers didn't get that involved in it was dealt with by promoters and agents directly but with the advent of live streaming right um yeah suddenly lawyers were being asked to get involved in a whole new area that we previously weren't and so dealing with quite a few live streaming gigs catalog deals has been a, a real proliferation as yeah, i'm sure you're aware yeah. of different investment companies coming into the market now looking to acquire catalog and yeah a lot of artists through the pandemic have had to go off and do deals to bring money in mm -hmm. or renegotiate deals or extricate themselves through deals so there's been a variety of different contractual uh, work on the back of that and obviously now we're kind of moving into the whole web 3.0 the metaverse oh, nfts yes. and 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 all of that you know so it's it's exciting it's a very exciting time i think uh quite challenging in some ways has it, has it been a yeah. has it been a big it's been a time of a lot of change and evolution have you found that you've had to you know kind of go back to and like learn again for the for the first time in a while you said you got involved in areas uh, like the live scene that you hadn't necessarily got hugely involved in and then all of the the metaverse three point you know, web 3.0 stuff are you finding that you're really having to to dive deep into kind of making sure that you are on top and maybe even ahead well I'm not sure that many people are on top of it really because it's such a <laughs> such a nascent scene yes uh and, and and therefore there aren't that many experts you know in, in the world of it's all about you know blockchain the future appears to be about blockchain and mm -hmm. i was involved in a blockchain company a couple of years ago so i've got some experience in that world but yeah i mean the gamification of music it's good having a teenage daughter like i have who's 18 who's who is a gamer so i can <laughs> necessary get some perspective from people who are dealing with uh, virtual reality and stuff like that on a kind of gaming basis. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. I mean, my, I, I've got a company called Creative Law and Business. Yeah. We're based in Brighton. And yeah, I mean, I am predominantly a, a music practitioner, I would say a music lawyer, but, but actually the, the business is, is kind of, much wider than that so not not just music but a lot of digital media work so i work with quite a lot of creative agencies creating content for brands uh working with influencers in in the digital space on okay. various platforms and uh tiktok and twitch and you know that's a crazy area at the moment you know the amount of money that some influencers are getting mm -hmm. you know from brands to do one post on TikTok, you know, eye-watering amounts. It's just insane. Yeah. It dwarfs the kind of income that any one of them could earn 
from uh, streaming. But yeah, there's that. There's there's digital media, gaming, quite a lot of work in the fashion world still. Okay. I, I was I was kind of in the fashion uh, legal world before I got into the music world actually. TV and film, uh, art and design, quite a lot of artists, um, street artists. So you've got a Banksy there behind you. Uh, version of? Is it a version of? <laughs> Just because I'm I in Bristol, with... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, working with a, a lot of uh, kind of artists in, in that world. Um, photographers, literary people. Mm-hmm innovation technology so it's 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 it's, i'd say it's more accurate for me to be described as a kind of creative lawyer and and business advisor yeah i can explain all that and i was going to say the crossover between all of them is pretty is pretty big as well you know kind of what you do with a you know because like media and talent i guess is is who you're working with and so the kind of thing that you do with an influencer isn't a million miles away with the kind of things that a band and artist are doing as well. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you are an artist, you are going to be an influencer because mm-hmm. you're going to be on Instagram. You can have a lot of followers. And if you are in that world, it may be that you might want to um, branch out into writing a book or being on TV, being yep. on a, being you know on strictly or creating a a a film you know Mm -hmm. so i've been working a lot with goldie at the moment i work quite uh yeah a lot lot with um goldie and yeah he he you know he's a a drum and bass artist but he's just been working with louis vuitton and has done a big collection with virgil who said he died last year uh and he's written a, a biopic and you know so a lot of artists are talented and are creating on lots of different platforms in lots of different mediums and and i find that you know being across all of those areas is is important a lot of a lot of music lawyers tend to just do music law i think and uh, yeah so I'm, i'm a much broader i'm not saying that i'm i mean i've got good experience in most of these areas but the way that i work it's kind of quite agile, really. I suppose is the right adjective in okay. that I, 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 I have associations with other experts in other areas like TV and film or in uh, corporate law that I bring on as associates as okay. and when required. You know, I, I assemble a kind of dream team of yeah, uh, of, of lawyers to or lawyers or accountants or whoever is needed you know for the particular job so, and is yeah. that project by project so it's not like you've got certain people on staff but you bring in like, like, we need you for the next x amount of months on this particular thing and then no I, I, I don't i don't i'm actually a one-man band okay uh yeah i'm a one-man band i did Back in the day, when I had my uh, solicitors practice in London in the nineties, I, I I I had lots and lots of lawyers working for me, and on the payroll and huge and a huge overhead, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and I've learned lessons from that. It's all about yeah, engaging people, subcontracting, collaborating with people yeah, yeah. on on a by base basis. Yeah, that's what's that's what's needed, and uh, yeah, and it kind of works for me. 
what are you finding you are doing day to day with your clients? Is it is it purely advising on the legal side of things, drawing up contracts, negotiating contracts, or are you finding that you are being a much broader advisor? Yeah, because my, my company is called Creative Law and Business. Yeah. So it's kind of two for the price of one, really. I mean, actually, ironically, in the world of music law, there's not a huge amount of law involved. <laughs> uh, the law has the law hasn't really kept or even tried to keep pace with uh, what's going on. Yeah. Technologically or culturally, you know, it's, we're still using the 1988 copyright act <laughs> and and therefore you know it is nice to get a bit of law occasionally i'll you know dust off my coppinger on copyright or my chitty on contracts and have a a look through and yeah and law does come up uh frequently but actually it's 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 as much if nor about as much if not more about the business side mm -hmm. of, of of it it's all about the business you know it's the music business and you know, I, I'm sadly, it's probably more about the business and the music side. So my role is, yeah, I mean, it, it varies really, but on a kind of day-to-day -day basis, I suppose most of it's dealing with contractual issues, but what my goal has always been is to try and work with clients and to develop a, a kind of long-term relationship with them and to see where they want to get to and to try and, help them get there that's okay. that's the way that i work you know it, it and there are a number of clients that i've worked with god for 25 30 years you know have become very good friends now over over this period who may have started off as artists who then set up their own label yeah. who then become managers who've just evolved and yeah and it's great to to do that so my my role i mean i, I work with a lot of artists, but I think it's probably fair to say that uh, I'm, I, I've got more experience working on, on the label side. I've always okay. ha had you know, a, a, a fair number of, of labels that I advise and provide their legal and business affairs support for. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the work that I do, the contractual side, it's kind of helping artists or labels structure deals. So, so it may be someone will come to me, I want to sign this artist, how should we do it? And kind of coming up with a model that would be suitable in the circumstances. Okay. You know, is it going to be a record deal? Is it going to be uh, a, a kind of 360 deal? Are you going to be looking to acquire rights in ancillary areas publishing this kind of thing and and coming up with some template agreements or well some agreements that that can be used to make the negotiation as as, as kind of seamless as possible mm -hmm. i mean i i try to draft contracts uh in in kind of plain english that are short form that are very fair and balanced really mm -hmm. that's that are going to not cause the lawyer on the other side to, to you know, to, to start um, 
totally amending the deal to come up with something yeah, yeah. that makes sense, really, and to try and avoid protracted negotiations, etc. So acting for labels, it's that kind of thing. Acting for artists, it's being, it's being presented with a contract that I then can review. And, yeah, I'm generally always happy to give any new clients, you know, half an hour of my time just to do a kind of quick and dirty review of a contract and just tell them if it's okay or not. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's not, what's wrong with it and how I could sort it out for them. So there's structuring drafting contracts a lot of people want me to prepare like template agreement packages so that they can just go off and use these contracts yeah yeah do their own thing and if there was you know if there's a technical issue then they come back to me and i can you know i consult that but it's it's helping people be self-sufficient really Mm -hmm. and helping them to understand the, the the business side so that they can work uh independently if needs be and yeah, so there's the drafting, reviewing, and negotiating. One, of, yeah, one of the areas that I really enjoy, I guess, is negotiation. It's kind of coming up with a strategy. I'm not one of those ones who's like banging on the table and shouting, <laughs> you know, and all of that. You know, it's it's coming up with a strategy, and 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 sometimes less less is more, and working out how to get. Uh, what is important out of a deal? I think that's the that's the key strategy is to work out what are the key issues here, and and then maybe kind of stealthily by adding a lot of other stuff that isn't necessarily that important that you could sacrifice later, yeah, yeah. getting what you want. And so yeah, so negotiation is 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 a bit of an art really, and uh, I've I've I've, I've have done a fair few over the years and yeah so helping get the best terms for clients negotiating deals and then there's also the kind of extricating getting clients out of deals yeah (laughs) yeah so that's a big area i mean i I started as a litigator i was going to ask i was going to bring that up you started as a a litigator so when i review a contract i kind of tend to do it from a, a litigator perspective, looking at different clauses and knowing from my litigation experience where things have kicked off, you know, uh, and, 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 and and therefore trying to uh, so avoid that very, scenario. Very quickly, kind of moving into that a little bit deeper. So when you, when you kind of, this was what, back in the late 80s, early 90s, that sort of time. So yeah. you were, your, your role was often trying to take action against someone that is his has copyright infringed or that's that was that was your task yes yeah yeah i i i i i worked in lots of different areas before i didn't get into music law until quite late but back when i was a litigator i was involved in all different kinds of areas I was uh, a, a defamation lawyer for okay. quite a while, dealing with back in the back in the eighties and nineties when when uh, damages were decided by juries, mm-hmm. and there were you know it was a lottery really, and uh, a lot of celebrities who had been uh, defamed could take action and get awarded you know silly money 
for something that perhaps not you know wouldn't get you know very much now uh-huh. and so i did a lot of those cases I, I was involved in um some quite quite high profile um music law cases the spandau ballet okay. case if you remember that one yeah, yeah they all the the, the 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 band fell out when uh gary kemp stop sharing the publishing income yes. with the other members who felt that they had an enti- a contractual entitlement to it because he kind of generously shared it with them for some time. But when the money started to dry up, he decided not to, and it uh, resulted in litigation. And so, yeah, they, the other band members, uh, not Gary's brother, by the way, um, uh, took action and yeah and it was an interesting case it was a, it was about whether the the band members were involved to some extent in composing you know when steve norman did a sax solo was that was that compositional yeah or, and, what, or and what side so of been... what side of the argument were you coming at it from were you coming at it from the band side or from yeah i was on the losing side unfortunately <laughs> yeah gary kemp successfully i didn't want to go down that case <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, uh, but it, it was it was an interesting case and 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 it was held that uh, that there wasn't any kind of compositional elements to um the sax solos and the other contributions that they made they were really doing it um, by action, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that legally they had no entitlement just because they had enjoyed a share before. It didn't mean that they had an ongoing right because there was no kind of consideration for for the yeah. essentially the gift of the uh, of the, uh, the, the the contribution. I think that one. There was another case. There's a leading authority on. Um, on confidentiality okay. uh, about uh, the Ministry of Sound, actually. It's a reported case, actually, so I can tell you about these ones, uh, where someone went for, one of my clients went for dinner with uh, um, 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 the, the owner of the Ministry of Sound and disclosed the idea for what did become, allegedly disclosed the idea for what uh, did become Ministry of Sound. Okay. And yeah, and he went to court and uh, it was all about whether if you impart a, a confidential idea in a in a informal <laughs> setting, i.e. around a dinner party mm-hmm. after a couple of wines, if you tell someone a great idea, uh, where, because there's no co- there's no copyright yeah. in an idea, obviously. Yeah. So if you impart an idea, not in a business setting, to what extent is there an implied duty of confidentiality? Mm-hmm. And uh, and in in that case, it was held that yeah, there wouldn't be an implied duty of confidentiality if you were sitting around four bottles of wine in. You just <laughs> lose a few mates in the, the process when you steal yeah, ideas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So a lot, a lot, a lot of what I do is also about intellectual property. It's about protecting IP mm-hmm. and making sure that uh, clients are aware that they are, yeah, that they have rights and how can they be protected? Because obviously in the UK we don't have any registration of copyright here. You. Band members are falling out frequently about respective contributions of songs. 
And so, yeah, so a lot of the work that I do is helping protect creativity, whether that's ideas, you know, brands being pitched ideas by people and saying, oh, we don't like that. And then just doing something slightly different anyway. So a lot of the work that I have done is, yeah, is protecting protecting intellectual property and to, to, to enforce rights and cease and desist is to cease and desists. What would you, what, what's, what's your current advice to intellectual property owners in that space? You know, bands, what do you tell bands, especially kind of your really early doors baby bands, about making sure that their IP is is protected in the best way possible? Um, where, you know, how they as a, essentially a business can carry on uh, being in business together in the best way? Do you have some kind of, go-to pieces of advice that you give those sorts of artists and people? Well, I mean, that, that, yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there that they are, you know, in business. A band is essentially a partnership. Yeah. And if you were setting up a, uh, any other kind of business, you would be looking at a partnership agreement and trying to identify what rights there were and who owned them and who was able to exploit those rights outside of the band. And often, well, virtually in most cases, actually, bands don't get it together to deal with band agreements. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a shame because if, if you don't have an agreement in place, then everyone's kind of perception of what they can do with the name, say, got a dispute at the moment with like different band members and two of them are just going off and using the name without the participation of the other but in their mind they're not doing anything wrong because it's 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 jointly theirs and actually they're quite happy for the other person to go off and do it with you know to do something if they want with the name but that's not how the law the law works really and and having a simple band agreement in place uh, is 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 very sensible because not only can it avoid legal problems down the line and and cost an arm and a leg if you need to litigate on these things, but also friendships. You know, starting off and money gets involved and then people start, uh, yeah, falling out and and you know deep friendships can be really damaged by mm-hmm. by money and the lack of clarity on yeah, an issue yeah. really that's that's it yeah you, at any level you don't you don't need to have an agreement you know in in it doesn't need to be a long detailed agreement yeah. it could be a short form agreement but yeah just get don't leave things to trust really is what i i say get it sorted but often bands just don't get around <laughs> to it i guess well again it's i guess this is other that you you touched on it earlier that the the majority of the people that you work with aren't the creators they're businesses mm. 
the labels, publishers, that sort of well, thing? Well, no, I wouldn't say that. I'd say, okay. I'd say a lot of them are the creators, but I think historically a lot of them have been on the, the kind of entrepreneurs supporting okay. the creativity, I would say, yeah. Because obviously the, the, from, from the level, and I'm sure you saw this from your time as a visiting lecturer at various uh, universities, mm that there yeah. is at that stage at that very very early stage and that might drift into later on is that you know the 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 separation between the art and the commerce there's there's mm -hmm. a much greater divide between it so i oh, know we don't want to have that conversation because this isn't a business man this is yeah this is yeah. our arts and we're all in it it's together yeah yeah and and so the i guess the the big part of of your role as as legal advice as business advice is to kind of try and bring those two sides as close together as possible without them kind of getting in the way of each other yeah it's to it's to kind of emphasize to them this is important you need to sort it out if you yes. don't sort it out it could be catastrophic later mm -hmm. so yeah just trying to get into their heads that yeah maybe it's it's something that you don't feel is necessary because it's you know it's it's art or whatever but actually that's just not you know not a sensible approach to take really mm -hmm. it is about the music business uh, or the art business and yeah and and, and that needs to be uh, looked at and dealt with as, as as early as possible I think really yeah yeah from my research that I've been doing you've <laughs> you've uh, you've done a lot of work with entrepreneurs DIY artists yeah um, yes uh, there was the indie label scheme that you were part oh, of. Oh God, you have been doing your research, uh, yes, and uh, things like that. But I, I, I saw, I saw the the acronym DIY come up quite regularly. Uh, yeah, but yeah. At a time when the industry didn't look like what it does now, that it wasn't yes. as geared up towards uh, benefiting DIY artists. So. How are you seeing the the landscape of the business for for DIY acts for acts that don't want record companies that don't want to sign their rights away? Are you are you really positive and buoyant about the kind of the way that the industry is making itself up to support those acts, or are you kind of yeah. just seeing it as a means to an end and actually eventually it, it's going to come back around again and the majors um, and the big labels and and companies are still going to wield their power. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I started this thing, the independent label scheme. God, it must have been 15 years ago. And it was uh, it was geared up at um, helping artists to set up their own labels and to allow them to get the contracts in place to do that and to get the business plans and stuff like that together and to allow them to own their music and to license it. Because if 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 they were going to be releasing music independently as a precursor to doing a, a major deal, if they were signed to their own label, and that appeared to have a difference, you know, it's quite esoteric, but it, yeah, it could well be their label is just them. Mm -hmm. But if it was signed 
to the label when it comes to doing a deal with a major label rather than having to assign over the copyrights to the major as they would invariably require back then you could say no it's signed to this indie label and we're going to license it to yeah, you yeah. but yeah but we did you know i worked a lot with the mu back in the day there and helping them to get you know inexpensive uh, setup of labels mm-hmm. um, but but yeah and and back then it was about the, you know rather uh pejorative term you know diy artists it was seen as kind of an inferior way to go that they were kind of substandard they were uh you know they were just doing that until they could get a, a deal you know it was it was something that you would do temporarily yeah, yeah. but actually you know it's now the artist direct route which i think is probably a, a more uh, accurate description of what it is is the way of choice for a 100%. lot of artists yeah i mean why why would you i mean i'm there's there's quite a lot of music lawyers who 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 get big artists and well get you know the hot artists and sign them to major labels and get big advances and yeah and I do that occasionally but yeah that's not really my my ethos really I'm 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 a staunchly kind of independent person I'm all about the independent sector and uh, and what has happened what's happening now the interesting change of you know the, the paradigm shift is is away appears from people wanting to do major deals because they are let's face it you know so inequitable in terms of you know the way that artists are treated and the rights they have to give them it's just don't don't start me but but <laughs> um, but, but actually you know yeah majors do, do serve a good purpose and there are some great people working at majors but just the business model is is horrendous and and therefore doing a, a label services deal with you know the orchard or believe or republic of music or you know one of those companies who can give you a bit of funding put the record out for you and and take a you know 10 15 20 percent distro fee so you get 80% of the money and own all of the rights. Yeah, that's and that, just... And that can be done with a major as well. Can so be done with a major, yeah. I mean, because obviously Orchard is Sony yeah. and ADA is Warners. And, you know, so it can be done. And, and it appeals to a lot of artists, particularly in the kind of grime, you know, uh, rapper world that's the way that a lot of them choose to operate because it gives them autonomy. It allows them to move very quickly as well. You know, you can, you can be very uh, agile and, uh, and do things with a team of people around it who, who you trust and believe in. So, yeah, so I think it's definitely uh, something that I, I think back when I started the independent label scheme, it was probably a bit ahead of its time. Well, I was going to really. say, it's kind of the precursor yeah. to everything that happens yeah. now, because when I was reading up about that, I was like, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what now is. Yeah, and... it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was something. There wasn't really much of an infrastructure there. It was pre-streaming, you know, it was download days, I guess. 
but it was still very much a physical market then. Uh, and there wasn't really the opportunities right. to get label services deals. They were, they were rare, but now, yeah, it seems that's the way that a lot of artists, I've, I've got more, more deals in that world than anything else at the moment, I would say. Uh, and yeah, and long may it continue. Are you seeing, you meant you, you talked about contract negotiations. Are you seeing contracts look differently now because of, because of that side of things? When, when you do work with a, an artist that's been, off, that's been given a, a deal from, from a major or from one of the, the larger independents, are you, are you seeing different bits of paper in front of you because of the other opportunities and the other options that those artists have? Kind of, yeah. I think, yeah, back back in the day, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon to get an offer from a major label, which would be for like six albums or something. You know, it was crazy. Uh, but now I think the, the, the major labels recognise that actually no one in their right mind is going to commit that many... <laughs> albums to you so they're they're a lot shorter and they're you know licensing to a, a major now is 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 very very doable yep um particularly if uh, the, the the record's already made and you are looking to just get them to fund the promotion of it but i suppose it kind of begs the question you know, to, what, wh why would you need to sign to a, a, a label? You know, some, I was talking to someone the other day and they said labels are, you know, are, are great if you, they have potential to break an artist right from the very beginning. If you've got an artist that hasn't really started yet, give that to a label so they can do it from scratch. Then a label might be able to, to, to add benefit. Or if you've got an artist who's, on you know who's, who's done a lot and has got a lot of profile but wants to take it to the next level at that stage then yeah an artist a label may well be the right choice at that point but anything in between you know it's it's debatable to what extent uh, a label is going to be able to help you really mm -hmm. and and yeah so i think that, that yeah the terms have changed they're shorter commitments shorter uh, yeah, the rights ownership point has changed. And I think, yeah, I think that a lot of um, the ancillary rights provisions are still, you know, something that are kind of grates on a lot of artists. Yeah. Because I don't, the major labels have ended up in a situation where they are demanding a share of live income and demanding a share of... Um, merch and brand deals when you know they, they may not be able to justify that they're not really contributing any in any meaningful way to that but that's just the nature of doing a deal with a major label these days you've got to acknowledge that that's half of the course I guess some of them have gone out and bought merchandise companies, bought branding agencies. I know Warner mm. 
have definitely yeah. gone out and done that to kind of add a bit of value in that space. My my background is synchronization and, and publishing, so oh, I've yeah. kind of seen yeah. seen that side of things get, Got you know, you. labels really, really kick on with the whole sync side of things when it was kind of mm. an afterthought for a long, long time because it was just like, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of extra money for um, and to help us uh, sell our records. And now it's suddenly all about, yes, most favoured nations, please. Can we have the same amount of money, please? And even exactly. promoting and pushing the the master side before the song side even if it's a cover and things like that just absolutely royally getting in the way yeah. do you have is 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 it le the label side of things that you have have had the most experience on or, or is is it kind of across the board publishing deals label deals management you name it uh, i mean it's right across the board really i mean i've got uh yeah labels artists DJs, producers. I mean, a, a lot of the work that I do is in the world of dance music. Okay. I think that's is that that's your love? Say. Is that your? It is your yeah. Stuff? I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, yeah. I've. 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 I've always been uh, a, a fan of dance music. Like from you know when I was uh, a teen, I was uh, a uh, a jazz funketeer. I was really into kind of rare groove and funk music and uh, disco music and yeah, a, a kind of uh, big record collection and still kind of buying yes. lots of vinyl records still. But yeah, so I've, I've, I've got into the, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've always been one of the, the kind of go-to, I guess, music lawyers in 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 that world, representing a lot of um, DJs and producers, doing deals for them. And that area, that's a, that's a. I mean, back in the nineties, there were just some. Uh, yeah, the market was extremely buoyant, and you know, getting six figures for a, a one-off dance single was was not uncommon, and then. That market is coming back now, mm. and there's there's still uh, a, a very buoyant uh, market and big demand for the right kind of dance tracks, and so yeah, so working in that area quite quite predominantly, songwriters, yeah, publishing companies, songwriters, a lot of stuff in the world of production music, okay. library music, a few of those kind of companies. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different yeah. world. A very kind of self-contained but but potentially lucrative world do you do you try and keep it keep the client base eclectic or do you know or is or was that something that you would always try and again you, you know you are a lover of a certain type of music of a certain area of the music industry so do you gravitate towards those sort of clients and would be happy to say actually i'm not the right person for this project and point them in, in the direction of somebody else or it doesn't uh work like that dan really okay. it's, it's just stuff just comes uh, <laughs> through the door or, or, <laughs> you know, through, the, through the computer or whatever yeah because i've been doing this for uh, a long time i'm getting on a bit now um yeah i've just amassed uh, a, you know a, a quite a, a large uh pool of people that i've worked with over the years who, who thankfully come back to me i'm very lucky and uh, a lot of the work that I just get is is from recommendations yeah. from people I've, I've done some work for, and yeah, it, it can be whatever it is really. And uh, I, I, 
I find it quite difficult to say no to taking anything on really. I, I, it's very rare that I, I, it's not very, it's not orchestrated that I'll get into a certain area. It mm -hmm. just, I go with the flow really. I'm, I'm very lucky that I, I've been able to combine my love of the law with a love of, of music. Yeah. And my two passions are combined really. But yeah, so it's 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 not uh, contrived in any way. I don't look at getting into certain areas in the world of you know what's going on now, the whole kind of metaverse and all of that stuff that's happening. That is an area where I think I'm going to need potentially to get some assistance on really, mm -hmm. and that is an area that um, you know I've, I've got yeah. Being a, a kind of a veteran music lawyer, it's about your experiences, really. I guess it's that, you know, having been involved in millions, millions of deals and disputes, you, you know, you, you've seen it all before to some extent. You know what the issues are going to be and how the problems have occurred, and you just try and yeah. avoid them. It's just trying to keep things <laughs> unproblematic. Yeah and smooth and calm with with that experience do you see do you see there there being legs in the web the web three stuff the metaverse stuff the nft stuff do you see that that's that's here to stay for a decent amount of time well it, it's hard to say i mean certainly nfts Everyone, you know, everyone and their dog seems to be doing an NFT at the moment, and uh, and, and 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 a lot of them that I've uh, talked to people about haven't necessarily made huge amounts of money because it's a very kind of saturated market to some extent. But when you when you see about like Snoop dropping uh, his uh, his NFT, the stash box NFT that he sold for 5k and he sold, what is it? Uh, I think he sold 8,000 of them. So he's made $44 million on, you know, the, the, the minting of, of one NFT. Yeah. And, you know, what's, what's going on in, in Roblox and Fortnite, you know, the, Ariana Grande concert on Fortnite, you know, was it 300 million people watched the gig and she made 20 million pounds on virtual merch, you know, for one show. Yeah. So yes, I think it is something that uh, is here to stay. I mean, I think blockchain has an enormous potential to revolutionize the music industry in a good way mm -hmm. i think i think that um it allows it, it has the potential to allow there to be a, a significant income stream for for, for artists uh, that didn't exist before it allows them to get paid in real time um it allows there to be less you know smart with smart contracts instead of paper contracts and that's just code really and also it allows them to earn you know if you if, if if an nft is minted and then someone owns it as a collectible and then it's sold further down the line then the original artist makes money mm -hmm. so i think it it does have the potential to make hopefully 
hopefully make a more kind of egalitarian system where the power can be moved towards the artists and the independent sector away from the domineering tech companies and major labels. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Who Fingers knows? crossed it doesn't yeah. empower the late the labels and the and the big tech companies even more. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the other area. Yeah, well that that's the risk, yeah, that they're gonna end up owning the metaverse and we'll be back straight, you know, to uh to exactly where we were, which I fear could could well happen. Um I have one more question for you. Um and it's a question that I get asked a lot by uh students and younger or newer artists, newer bands who are often um, wary or not sure about getting involved, reaching out to lawyers, mainly because of the perceived cost with them. Yeah, so yeah. from your experience, when is the right time for a creator, creative, to reach out to to lawyers and you know there's lots of them out there it's obviously there's a, a, a an amount of research that needs to go into into it but but when should artists and creators be engaging with with people like yourself um well at, at an early stage i would say uh and that they shouldn't be too concerned about the cost. Most lawyers, I mean, myself included, uh, would always do some kind of, in my experience, would, would have some, at least a call or some kind of preliminary consultation just to see what, you know, what, what it's about and to give some preliminary advice. So the clock won't be on, I would <laughs> hope, from the moment that you uh, pick up a phone or send an email. Uh -huh. So don't be too concerned about about the cost and yeah and and often lawyers are able to help things happen you know some some lawyers are very proactive and deals go through lawyers in mm -hmm. terms of i you know i want to get a distribution agreement i want to um find a manager or whatever you know it's it's Lawyers are generally quite well connected, I would I would thought. So it may be helpful to know what your position is and get your rights protected and just to make sure that you're on the right track and that you have someone there you can kind of call upon as and when as and when needed. So yeah, so I mean but generally most lawyers work on a fixed fee basis. Mm -hmm. You can you can find out what it's going to cost in advance before you commit. It's not that frequent that you're going to get paid by, you know, charged by the hour. Yeah. It doesn't really happen, unless it's like a litigation case or something. And I guess what's what's coming up this year that's that's that you can talk about that is really piquing your interest, that's really thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Just looking forward to getting out there, get, getting out and about, really. Looking forward to the festival season. Looking forward to seeing some shows. Yeah, yeah. And just getting out and socialising again. So I don't know. It's... it's, it's you go, will you be at the Great Escape this year? 
I will be, yeah. I mean, the good thing about Bryson, where I'm based, the there's, a, there's a thriving steed down here, but the Great Escape, um, which hasn't been on for, I think this must be, this must be a three-year absence, I guess, is back. It's actually organised by Lisa in, in my office, actually, okay. uh, who's downstairs. But yeah, that should be good. Looking forward to that. And, and just kind of continuing what we're doing, you know, looking at... Um, as I said, the, the, the kind of metaverse and NFT side, some interesting um, projects that I'm involved in in that world. And yeah, um, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it and uh, relishing what's going to be happening moving forwards. Lovely. Dean, thank you so much for chatting to me today. My pleasure. It was, I really enjoyed it. Okay. All right. Cheers, Dan. Awesome. All the best. Cheers. Bye. talking to me really really appreciate him giving me his time if you would like to investigate his company creative law and business go to creativelaw.eu you can also find it on instagram at creative.law or on twitter at creative law or on facebook at creative law business there's also a spotify playlist that he has put together with about 100 tracks uh, that are from clients of his, so I will link that in the biog. Uh, the music for these podcasts is by Bloompool. Uh, the track is called Woke. It is on Spotify. Bloompool is one of my artists for DC Music Publishing. Go check out his stuff via Spotify. You can also find him on Instagram and Twitter. He's also got his own spotify playlist as well so do check out bloom slash pool on or bloom dot pool depending on the platform that you're looking at uh, do get in touch with me via email on at behind the business pod at gmail.com you can also reach out via dc music publishing at dc music publishing.co.uk find me on instagram at dc music publishing find me on twitter at Danny Champion, find me on Spotify also um, via just searching for Danny Champion and going to profiles. There you will see a bunch of playlists that I've made for my seven year old daughter, um, but you will also see a bunch of playlists that I have made for DC Music Publishing, whether that's the artist that I'm currently working with or whether that's music that I am really digging at the moment. So go forth and uh, follow at your heart's content thank you as always for listening uh, there's probably going to be a short break now uh, whilst I get cracking with uh, new conversations uh, for later in the year so thank you very much and until you hear me next time see you later